Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is the future of consumer lending in 2031, 10 years out. This is really an important topic. I'm thrilled and excited to have as our expert, S.A. Ibrahim. S.A. is well-known within mortgage banking. He is retired. He was former CEO of Radian and CEO of Greenpoint prior to that. S.A. is currently an angel investor in the financial sector. He is well-known, and I'm thrilled to have you. Hi, S.A. Thank you, Pat. Wonderful to be on. Yes, this is such a great topic. But before we kind of hop into that, I know that you had an engineering background and I was very curious, how did you go from engineering to getting into mortgage banking? I grew up in India and my undergraduate uh, education was in India. And in those days in India, all parents wanted their kids to become either engineers or doctors. It was tough to get into those schools. So I was never interested in uh, medicine except from a patient angle so i choose engineering but i'm more a right brain person and a people person and switched over to get my mba in finance at the wharton school came to the u.s and became a business person sure and so that leads me to the next issue before we talk about our future forecast but you were a senior executive throughout your career in mortgage banking and what were some of the key lessons that you learned over you were in mi you were at morgan you were leading a mortgage banker talk about what were some of the key lessons that you have learned before by the way before mortgage banking i was in all sides of consumer lending in the credit card business and uh, installment lending, chief risk officer for the consumer bank at Chemical Bank in my 30s. So in large measure, the things I learned was, uh, of course, in my job, the most important thing was communications and dealing with people and leveraging their ideas and working as a team to bring out the best from everybody. And that's universal regardless of you're talking mortgage land or any other field. But specifically, when it came to mortgages, I learned that in many ways, the mortgage process was a lot more complicated, a lot more regulated, a lot more entrenched, more difficult to change than other types of consumer lending. In fact, if we go back to my early years in consumer lending, uh, today it's hard to believe, but if somebody wanted to get a credit card, you would have to go get an application and there were applications sitting in different places or you'd have to walk into a bank branch and get one, fill out a lengthy application, including your employment information, your bank information. You sent the application in, then the lender on their side contacted your bank, contacted, uh, verified your financial, your assets, checked out your credit history. And uh, if the fastest was two weeks and sometimes it took a month and then you got a credit card with a small credit line until you proved yourself. Uh, same thing with buying a car. You went in, bought a car, and it took them a few days, maybe a week to get you qualified, and then you drove away your car. Today, we think of those things as, uh, why was that? I mean, I'm being deluged with credit card offers, and I don't have to do anything. I just have to say yes, and I can walk into a car showroom and drive out with a car. So why is it that those things have happened? And, you know, that's sort of the past we came from. Other than in the mortgage world, the mortgage world, it still takes a long time and you've got to 
fill out a complicated inf- set of information and go through pages and pages of signatures for your closing. So it's still very complicated. Yeah, that's for sure. And it is funny that you suggested about the credit card. I do remember those days myself. So let me ask one question before we talk about the future. How did you always stay on top of it? Because one thing is for sure in the financial service world is change happens a lot. How did you keep pace? I was lucky to work with teams. I always believe that, you know, we're not individuals. In many cases, we are a function of the team we are part of. And I was very fortunate to work with teams that were more innovative and more forward-looking. And uh, instead of being scared of change, embrace change. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the short answer is I stayed on top by having a network of people outside and a wonderful team of people inside whose skills and knowledge I could leverage. Yeah, that's a smart way for sure. So that leads me to this next issue. Let's talk about 2031. This is 10 years out. What is your thoughts of what it's going to look like from the consumer lending standpoint? I've briefly revisited the past, which is a good place to start. Let's look at some of the big changes that are happening now and then extrapolate to 2031. So if we look at some of the big changes that are happening, broadly speaking, in consumer lending is greater and greater level of control that informed, educated consumers have. So they are in the driving seat and they can decide what type of product. And second thing that is happening is access to wide, wide range of information. Years ago, you know, I kind of laughed now when I was in the credit card business uh, obviously, when in making credit decisions, we could only use approved criteria that met with the regulatory requirements. But in sending out uh, at that time uh, solicitations, we could leverage things like one of the things we found uh, just through analysis was uh, those who drove Volvo cars in those days were better credit risk for some reason. People who subscribed to certain magazines like National Geographic were better credit risk. We leverage that information in our solicitations. And the point I'd like to make is today, there's a lot more information available, being scraped, being accessed, available to consumers is their entire history. Credit information services use broad information. On top of that, there's artificial intelligence, uh, both at the lending side as well as the consumer side to use in order to determine what are the right products for them and what is the best uh, rate and, uh, you know, what's the best offer they can get. So just taking those two trends and extrapolating them to 2031, I see a lot of empowerment as consumers start to leverage their own advantages in seeking the best offer they can get. I see a lot more disruption happening where we see non-traditional Uh, players get into either the information side companies like Blend and uh, there's another, I mean, just to name a couple, you know, Inferred, which is a company that a friend of mine started. And there's a lot of AI type companies leveraging information across a broad spectrum, which allows you to get a deeper understanding. Finally, among lenders, there's greater appreciation of the fact that they have more information about their customer than anybody else, except in the mortgage world, they have not been able to leverage it because everybody reverts to the least common denominator of using Fannie Freddie type criteria. So most lenders don't give an existing customer and compelling reason to refinance with them. They are treated the same way as uh, somebody else. I, I, The only loan I have is a mortgage other than my much larger 
uh, margin-based lending to finance my other investments because it's so convenient. All I do is make a phone call and I can borrow millions of dollars on very, very low interest rates. Mm -hmm. But for mortgage purposes, just to have one, I have a loan. And I went to the same lender who's a very, very well-recognized lender, very one of the leading smaller innovative banks. And I went through the same process I would have had I come in from the outside. I see that changing. Customers are not going to tolerate that. They're going to go for whoever offers them the greatest convenience, the easiest access, the best rates. And if lender A, which is the lender with whom you do business, is incapable of offering that, then and lender B will soon be able to have the information that lender A has because that information is available to the consumers and they will give it to them to give them a better deal. So more empowerment on the consumer side more benefits and more business going to those who can leverage and make it easier, faster, better, cheaper for somebody to access financing. And a loosening of the, what I call the crutch and the chains that we in the mortgage world find ourselves in. And the crutch is, you know, very smart innovation at that time. Fannie Fetty standardized criteria in the secondary market has now become a crutch in innovation because everybody reverts to making loans that meet the lowest common denominator requirements, subjecting the borrowers to a great deal of uh, hassle in getting a mortgage. I, I see that changing. And maybe, you know, somebody, a house will come equipped with uh, already approved for financing. Well, all we've got to do is verify your credit history. So in two days, three days, you'll be able to, if you are so ready, move into the house or buy the house. So, S.A., do you think, and I think you raised really great points, and one of my thoughts is that banks are, before they know it, are losing their customer base because a lot of these innovations are not really coming from the banks. What's your thoughts on that? That's absolutely true. Now, I have worked for banks. I've worked for businesses within banks. I've worked for non-banks and one of the companies you mentioned, I worked for both companies, Greenpoint as well as uh, Radian were very innovative. But one of the things at Greenpoint was we were part of a bank, but deliberately run as a separate business. We had minimal interference from the bank. We bought, took all the advantages from the bank in terms of warehouse lines and credit uh, capabilities, but we ran our own business. So we were one of the few who could innovate, but banks create a lot of barriers to change. You have to go through committees. You often have to deal with people on those committees who rose in their lives by not taking any risks, by playing it safe. And I found that when I worked for banks, the punishment for a small mistake was very, very severe. So I always created cultures where I went where there was less of a punishment unless somebody was totally negligent for making small mistakes because that's how you learn to do good things well. So I think banks are highly regulated. They are very large. They complicate. They stand in the way of innovation instead of allowing people to innovate. And that's the reason why you find, uh, and there are exceptions, by the way. I don't want to make that big story. But you find these uh, smaller players have been able to make more change happen, except in the mortgage world, it's been more difficult because of the high, you know, the highly complex and regulated nature of the industry, but it's coming. Right. Uh, the other thing that happens is, like I said, you know, I have a mortgage from a lender with whom I have a long-term relationship and I even keep a lot of deposits there and I earn maybe 10 basis points on my deposits and I have to pay maybe, I think my rate is three and a half percent or three percent, whatever it is. So there's going to be a lot more disintermediation also. Somebody else will come in and say, hey, 
we can give you if you so empower you can choose a mortgage uh, and today i think in most cases you can get a mortgage from third parties for a lot lower than you can get from your own bank right. so banks are going to have to find a way to compete with these innovative things that are happening these uh, new players are far less constrained and by the way they're not just young people from the outside in fact in the mortgage industry many of the young people from outside did not succeed as well they are people who've got experience in mortgage lending with banks or independent mortgage companies but found, found themselves frustrated at not being able to make change happen and they've gone out and they've partnered with those uh, young disruptors and i use the word young not in an age sense but in a thinking sense and created and are creating new models of doing business well that raises the issue and i'm curious about your thoughts on when you do look at some of the what i call the disruptors they're following a strategy if you look at uh, rocket if you look at better they're all trying to emulate or get into kind of a one lender shopping experience something that's always been talked about within financial services but rarely has ever happened what's your thoughts on this one-stop shopping approach that a lot of these disruptors are really starting to do in fact, I think uh, Rocket the other day announced that they were going to do solar panels. And so what are your thoughts on that? I think it's about time. And, you know, you've also got SoFi, which is coming in from the other angle. So one of the companies that uh, I, whose board I'm involved in, and by the way, I deliberately stayed away from public company boards because I don't want to deal with the hassles of uh, being on a public company and all the restrictions. But one of the companies is... Uh, tiny little company called Meritize Capital in Frisco, Texas, and we make uh, uh, vocational student loans. So I always say that, uh, hey, guys, keep in mind as a board chair, tell them, you know, someday more valuable than our assets, the loans we create will be the experience and the insights and the data and the we have on our borrowers and we can leverage it in many different ways because we know borrowers who may not score well on FICO, but using our proprietary knowledge of them are very good credit risk. And somebody outside doesn't know that. So to the extent that we can partner with third parties who want to make them car loans and auto loans and private label them, and why not solar panel loans? Uh, we can leverage our experience with them and give people a loan that they would not be able to get from elsewhere on the same terms. and same speed and same convenience and bravo and kudos to rocket mortgage and others who have realized that they're sitting on a gold mine in terms of customer insights and relationships and why take the risk of allowing that customer to go somewhere and get a solar panel loan or something else and then that data gets used to give them a compelling advantage to get their mortgages if you you know more important than the loans you create is the insights and the data and the experience and the relationship you have with the particular borrower don't let that go leverage it and if you can't make the other products and other things they need in home partner with somebody and white label them because uh, nobody else will be able to compete with you them so i'm so thrilled to see that happening Sure. You know, years ago when I was in first got into the mortgage business, it was a chemical bank and most of the loans were portfolio loans. I started making crude innovations. Like we said, you know, if somebody has a checking account relationship with chemical bank, we should give them some points in our score. And so we looked very crudely at the average balance they had over a two year, three year period. The longer they had, the better. 
and uh, you know the cash flows in and out and we said okay based on this very crude score you've been able to maintain a certain balance so if you've actually been able to grow a balance and you've got so many years of experience for a portfolio loan we're going to give you half a percent lower rate and a so many more score points so terrific uh, to see that happening the interesting thing is whether the insights they have are going to be sufficient to compete with others who have proxy insights in, that I refer to in terms of you know where people live and what magazines they subscribe to and what cars they drive I'm just making those up and whatever else that may be very very strongly correlated with their credit performance because credit history is not just your payment history credit insights derive from almost everything in your lifestyle there are clues and there's data points in terms of how you live and how responsibly you behave and whether you've been able to grow your assets or shrink your assets over time to me somebody who's been able to grow their net worth each year and behave responsibly is a great credit risk and getting access to their financial profile through other means is supplemented with the inside data i have is golden if i can combine the two i'm i'm unbeatable Right. No, that's a good point. I have one last question. The time has flown for sure. So what is your thoughts on, again, this is the mortgage banking, whether you're a bank, credit union, or an independent mortgage banker is still having a distributed retail branch approach. And 10 years from now, do you see that even being relevant? I see a fragmentation. There will always be one of the great things about the hyper-competitive lending world we live in and of course we saw the downside during the downturn where people thought there were evil lenders who did evil things i just think it was a hyper you know competitive environment that led to it but hyper competitive environments also have positive things which give consumers different capabilities so you can segment consumers into diff different categories and even at greenpoint we used to say and of course at radian we used to say that you know you underwrite somebody who's a new borrower but if somebody's refinancing from you you don't underwrite them you basically verify the fact that if somebody's paid you let's say three thousand dollars a month on their mortgage and they're going to refinance for you and their payment is going to drop to twenty five hundred dollars and they have a very good credit history what do you have to underwrite about them you just say fine you know sure. starting tomorrow we pull a switch and you can refinance for $2,500. point I'm making is we need to think in terms of put ourselves in the shoes of our borrowers and say, how can we make it easier and better? And uh, I, as a borrower, that I, I refer to the fact that with a phone call, I can get a mortgage loan. So, so fragmentation means there's different customers with different financial capabilities, profiles, right. who will who need to be dealt with differently and why subject everybody to the same laborious, frustrating process in the mortgage world that doesn't exist anywhere else they are before somebody, you know, rocket mortgage is going from mortgages to to other forms of lending. There may be people in other forms of lending, like including my maritime company, you say we have enough data to give you a mortgage. And right. by the way, you're pre-approved. You don't even have to do anything when you buy your first home based on how your, your student lending experience. And so far, maybe a pioneer doing that and blend maybe providing them the data to blend and others may be providing the data to do that. And consumers will be able to get on and say, artificial intelligence tools that have been created for me, here's my profile, here's what I need, come back with the best type of borrowing. And they may come back and say, don't get a mortgage loan. You know, you have enough financial assets, just make a phone call and get a, mar a margin loan. 
Well, I'm with you on these topics. I certainly agree with you 100%. I think if uh, financial companies don't make these changes, they're, they're really going to be behind the eight ball for sure, because customers will find a better way for sure. So, SA, if you had to wrap it up in a couple of key points, what would you say about 2031? So what I'd like to say about 2031 is the finally we may see or be very close to the a market where the borrower is in the winning seat. The borrower will have enough information, access to tools, uh, the informed borrowers, where they will be able to dictate to lenders and say, this is what we want and, you know, this is what we're willing to pay. So that's uh, the biggest change I see happening. And th- the lenders who will survive and prosper are the ones who think like they borrow and make it easy for them and make them compelling, give them compelling reasons to borrow from them rather than somebody else and, you know, understand the overall financial picture and take advantage of them before somebody else them along with leveraging their own credit experience. Well, Essa, you've been terrific for sure. We could talk for hours on this topic. It's such an important topic. I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and I want to thank everybody for listening. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks so much, Essa. Not at all. And this is a wonderful thing you're doing, Pat. And the last word I'll say is don't be scared of change and don't be scared of the future. Embrace the change and create the future. Right. That is words to live by for sure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.